Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter, Booktopia Fiction Category Manager, and today I'm thrilled. I've got Anita Heiss with me, Professor Anita Heiss. Anita is a Wiradjuri author, academic, social commentator. She currently works at the University of Queensland, and her latest work is a book of historical fiction. It is called Billa Yarandangalangdre. How was my pronunciation? I think that's one of the best I've heard, possibly even better than me when I first tried it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we know how that went. So thank you. And thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be oh, here. It's an honour to have you with us and signing some books and, and with us to speak about this new one. Do you mm-hmm. want to tell us a little bit about it? Love to. So, yes, it's uh, Billa Yaradangalang Duray, which translates into River of Dreams. Um, of course, it's that we're, that's the Wiradjuri language, which would have been my first language if we didn't have a process of invasion, colonisation and assimilation in Australia. And it's a novel that is very, very close to my heart because it's set down on Wiradjuri country in the 1850s and 60s. And it begins with the Great Flood of Gundagai in 1852. And for your listeners who aren't aware, um, the Great Flood of Gundagai is one of the, if not the most devastating and largest natural disasters in Australian history, where a third of the town drowned over three days. So it was a population around 250 at the time, and they estimate between 80 and 100 people drowned. But over the course of that time, uh, two Aboriginal men in particular, Yari and Jackie Jackie, went out on canoes and saved between 59 and 80 lives. Heroes. Heroes, legends that most people have never heard about. And in 2017... Um, my publisher at the time, Roberta Ivers, asked me to write an historical novel, an epic historical novel, she said, and I had no ideas at all. Um, and this was in May of that year. And, and um, in June of that year, on the 165th anniversary of the Great Flood, the town of Gundagai unveiled um, statues to which acknowledged the heroism of Yadi and Jackie Jackie. And I thought, how is it? that Australians don't know this story and and everybody should know this story. And six months later, I started learning my language for the first time down in in Wagga Wagga, which is Wiradjuri country, under the guidance of Uncle Stan Grant, who with uh, Dr John Rudder had documented so much of our language in a range of resources, including a dictionary, there's an app, we have our own grammar book as well and CDs and picture books and so forth. And when I was down in Wagga, so the classes were held in Charleston University, but also out on country, along the Murrumbidgee Billa, along the Murrumbidgee River, out in the floodplains where we would look at scar trees and other sites. And I stood in the floodplains one Sunday and I just imagined what life must, or tried to imagine, what life must have been like for my ancestors prior to um, being moved off land and so Mm. forth. And... Every, th- every time I'd learned something new, I th- I th- the stories just started to fall into place. I knew I wanted to write a story about what it was like for women in particular on the land, so Aboriginal women and non-Aboriginal women. And I'm a big... I'm a hopeless romantic, so I knew there would be a love story in there. So there is there is a love story. It's got it all. <laughs> it's got Well, I hope so. <laughs> and so this story is catalyzed by this catastrophic flood, mm-hmm. um, and it's all on country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You've got the language all through it, and it's obviously the title. Yes. But you've only been learning it uh, 
very recently in your life. I'm not, yeah, I'm on my L plates. So yeah. I'm really, I think I, we mentioned when you did your introduction this morning. So I made a video recently. Some of your staff and your followers will have seen the video I did on Twitter. Watched it a number of times to try and get the. Yes, <laughs> I have messages from people around the country telling me that they were caught in the car park doing it. And I um, I had said, Billyada Dungalung Dari, when in fact it's Billyada Billyada Dungalung Dari. Now, just looking at the title on the cover and hearing me say that, you can see how complex the language is. Yeah. And it's going to take me, like, I am, I am, like, a, it, it, I know a point zero one percent of what there is to learn and to know and and you know it's a completely different grammar system you don't uh it's not Wiradjuri translated into English it's and it's 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 actually about the way we think as Wiradjuri people and uh you know there's about eight different words for woman for example and we have a word for family which is um, I say um, miagan and other people say miagan so there's also different ways yep. of saying. so it's quite complex and but I really really want people to understand that everywhere they walk in Australia they're walking on land that has a first language and yes. English is really a second language um, and that also we, all, we last year we had the in United Nations International Year of Indigenous Languages and next year it starts the decade of Indigenous Languages and part of that process is about reclaiming language so my novel really is a really small contribution to that i hope i love it and um i'm in awe almost that you've wound the language through the novel so fluently and um effortlessly for something that you're so fresh with I'm glad that it reads effortlessly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't written without a lot of effort and concern. And, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going back to Brungle and Tumut and Gundagai for a launch to celebrate the book with locals there. And I just hope, you know, Uncle Stan Grant, you know, he's got copies and my teachers, Letitia Harris and Yari Lamson and Lloyd Dolan, they've all got copies and hopefully they can see some of their their work and because, you know, they've, they continue to teach yeah. hundreds of people every year. Ah, oh, it's just brilliant. Um, this whole story set on country um, and you start with this catastrophic flood. Mm -hmm. um, and even from the first page, it seems like a lot of the, the that catastrophe is largely preventable. It is. So <laughs> the problem, the thing was that Gundagai was built on floodplains yep. and the locals, it's understood the locals had warned, local Aboriginal people had warned the new settlers not to not to build in that area because it would flood. To. It had flooded before. There were floods in uh, 1844, I believe two people were drowned then, but there'd been a number of floods. Um, and so that was, the, that was the double devastation because it didn't have to have it hadn't have had to have been like that, yeah. and so after the great flood of Gundagai and great flood of Gundagai, and only after that was the town relocated to higher ground. It just sounds like a, a very contemporary conversation. Yes. <laughs> this, this, uh, you know, traditional owners are, 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 are making the case about what is a, <laughs> appropriate use of land and water, and they're not being listened to, and, and there those, is devastating consequences. And you know, you had those dreadful bushfires. Mm. 
you know, over just 18 months ago now or just under 18 months ago now and that only since then has traditional burning off been taken notice. Well, let's see if actually people take notice of that, but the conversation has grown. So I think the story is also about, yes, this notion that non-Indigenous people don't listen to the wisdom and knowledge and experience of Aboriginal people the country over, in particularly in terms of land use. Yeah, that could benefit us yep. so much, all yep. of us. Um, tell us about your hero, Wagadine, am I saying it right? Yes, Wagadine. So Wagadine, the, her name means dancer. So Wagga uh, means dance. So Wagga Wagga means place of celebration. And until recently, people had thought it would meant place of many crows, um, thinking that Wagan, which is W-A-G-A-N, which means crows, um, they right. got a bit confused. So only recently, the, even the town of uh, the city of Wagga changed all their collateral to match. Right. Yeah, yeah, that is actually <laughs> the right, town place guys. of celebration. So Wagadine, she's a fictional character. Uh, and is the daughter of Yadi, the hero in the novel, and she works for um, the Bradleys as a domestic, and Yadi is a, is a stockman. And um, <clears throat> and post the flood, she is asked, well, she's told she has to go to Wagga with the Bradleys when they move. And her, the rest of the novel, or most of the novel, is, unfolds around her absolute distress and depression and uh, melancholic thoughts around being removed from family, um, having to be, you know, it, it just absolutely consumes her. Mm. And we, we see a relationship unfold or a friendship unfold with Louisa Spencer, who marries David Bradley. She's a Quaker. Um, and I learned when I was researching this novel that, that when the Quakers first arrived in Australia in 1832, they, at the top of their interest of concern, were the rights of convicts and Aboriginal people. So uh, I thought, well, look, this is great. This is, gives Louisa a purpose. Whether that's realised or not in the novel, you'll have to read that. But um, so what we see unfold through Wagadine's eyes is life on the land, mm. life as a servant, uh, potentially under the Masters and Servants Act, which wasn't specifically for Aboriginal people, but it's, uh, it is likely that Wiradjuri people lived in fear of the consequences of breaking um, any uh, rules under the Masters and Servants Act. So we see what life is like for her as a servant. We see how non-Indigenous people behave towards the local um, blackfellas. We see what life is like on the river for the camp in Wagga. Um, along the Murrumbidgee River as well. And, of course, there's a love interest. And through the love interest of Yinjimata, mm. we see life as a stockman and, and the way in which the landscape is being ruined also by the new settlers. Yeah, th this is something that I found really interesting is um, these Wiradjuri blokes, they, they, they were all working as stockmen, it seems, um, because that was the only opportunity they had under protectionism to actually have movement over their land, yes. um, which is devastating. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's what we see a little bit through Yindi's eyes is that yeah. he feels that, you know, you know, when he's on the horse, when he's on his horse, um, uh, Muji, when he's on his, on the horse and he's travelling cross country uh, with the cattle, he feels it, he feels some sense of, of freedom. Yeah. And God, they would have worked so hard. Mm, and I think that's the other thing, this notion that, I mean, what I want people to take away from the book is this understanding of of uh, our people as incredibly hard workers on the land and so forth and, and, and how we've worked hard throughout history. Yeah, um, incredible stuff. And, and the Wagadine character, uh, we find out that she seems to have it actually relatively good, <laughs> which yeah. is told, which is, I just found... 
uh, mind-blowing. Someone who's, you know, an indentured servant, you know, someone who's essentially living in what could be called slavery. Mm. Um, you've got a good comparatively i just well she had yes because you know she had a, she had and then of course we don't want to give too much away but when she becomes embarrassed because she gets to live in a house as opposed yeah. to the right. other you know servants on other properties having to live um in, in, in humpies and so forth with their family but having said that she longs for being with, with that the mob. family yeah yeah mm. um There's a beautiful romance here. Um, we don't want to give too much away. Um, I've enjoyed it. Um, but it's also a book about love in many other different ways, isn't it? It's about friendship. You, you've mentioned this uh, Louise character, or Louisa. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's, she's a, that's a really challenging position for her uh, as a Quaker who wants to make a difference to these people's lives. Um, and she's, she's stuck between a, a boozy Catholic mm. husband as mm. well. And so it's, it's not a happy household for uh -huh. her. Um, and, and she's trying to find a, a friendship, a real yes. friendship in Wagadine, but that is really difficult. Yeah. That, was that really interesting to write? Yes, I think, I th yeah, it was interesting to write and I, I had to try and imagine what was possible at that time. I think Louisa absolutely believes that she loves Wagadine as a friend, mm. but she, and is horrified would be horrified to think that she's doing anything wrong by Wagadon, but she's still this level of selfishness because it's she needs her and she wants her. And if she, so, um, you know, there is different levels of love. There's there's the love between Yindi and Wagadon. There's the love for family. There's the love for country, um, and the and the and the that's the distress that that Wagadon feels when she's uh, removed from her homelands in in Gundagai, even though she's on Moradri land. That's you know she was born and raised somewhere else. So um, and you know that Louisa loves her husband, as you say, but. We might all wonder at one point how, but, um, you know, extraordinary times call for extraordinary behaviour and she has nobody else either. Yes, extraordinary behaviour. There's some extraordinary people in this novel. Yeah. I, I think it's excellent. I can't wait for more readers to discover it. Thank you. Um, what other uh, First Nations authors, writers are you loving at the moment for readers who want to get into more? Okay. Well, on the novel front, um, read Nardi Simpson's mm. Song of the Crocodile and it was really interesting because oh, my novel was, you know, obviously at the publisher at the time and I could just see oh, what I thought was all these similarities. I was going, oh, my goodness. And debut novel for that author yeah. and just extraordinary. Epic. epic. Extraordinary. So I'm on, I'm book 18 down and I'm still not at that level. Um, everybody will know, of course, the Miles Franklin award-winning novel um, Too Much Lip by Melissa Lukashenko. But I'm going to go out on a limb. I've said this many times. I've read every one of her books and we did our first panel together at the Brisbane Writers Festival in 1996 when she had steam pigs out. But my, my I think my favourite novel of hers is Mullumbimby. Right. Um, and, of course, your listeners will know that um, Ellen Van Neven's Throats just cleaned up at the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards and I mm -hmm. had the great pleasure of launching that when that came out last year and it's an extraordinary collection of poetry. Um, Five Front Through UQPs and a great anthology which has our pioneers of um, poetry like Ujirunu, Nackle and so forth alongside new and emerging poets. So I recommend that as well. Uh, people like me interested in learning more about language or yes. other First Nations languages, um, are there resources we can go and find? 
There absolutely are. That's a great question. So um, you could just Google Wiradjuri language resources. There's loads of things you can buy online. Mm -hmm. You can download the Wiradjuri language app. Um, if you go, I would suggest going to the Aboriginal um, Torres Strait Islanders or AXIS website, Aboriginal Australian Institute of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies website, and they'll have an enormous round of uh, links as well. And also, uh, I should have said this as the first port of call, Black Words, which is the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander writers and storytellers research community of Auslit. And we have got information trails on everything, links to a whole lot of language resources um, celebrating last year's United Nations uh, Year of Indigenous Languages. So check out, just Google black words, one word, take you to Auslit website and go down that rabbit hole and have a great time. Black words. Anita, Professor Anita Heiss, thank you for being with us. And in my language, I say mandangu, thank you. If you want to get a copy of Billa Yarandangalang Duray, which is published by Simon and Schuster, go to booktopia.com.au right now. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.